Welcome to another great episode of Home Ice Advantage. We have a great episode for you today. Whether it's the news of Ethan Bear actually being dealt, or the Carolina Hurricanes 6-2 loss to the New York Islanders. I also kind of get on a soapbox at the end of the episode about people who use and rod they trust in their Twitter bios. It's a good episode. We have sound effects. We have music. It's a whole thing. There's even a new segment at the end. So buckle in, make sure you're subscribed to the show so I automatically pop up on your feeds, and let's get into it. 9,393 days of frustration, and on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Before we get into tonight's game against the New York Islanders, we have breaking news. And a move that seems to have been inevitable. The Carolina Hurricanes trade Ethan Bear and Lane Peterson to the Vancouver Canucks for a fifth round pick in this year's NHL draft, or I guess next year, 2023, okay? And the Hurricanes retain 18% of Ethan Bear's contract. That works out to be just under $400,000, $396,000 to be specific. And, I mean, again, this is something that we all saw coming. I've covered this quite a bit, that Ethan Bear was on the move. And, I mean, it's been since before this season even started, prior to the preseason, really, there had been whispers and gossip and rumors and whatever you want to call it about his future in Carolina. So today's trade makes it official. From the looks of it, Vancouver was always the final destination, but they were also asking for too much. For those of you who don't know, Vancouver has no cap space. And when I mean no cap space, I mean, like, actually no cap space. Uh, it's reported as $0.00 on cap friendly. So they couldn't just add Ethan Bear at $2.2 million without some type of retention from Carolina. And in the past two weeks, Don Riddell has come out and said explicitly that the Carolina Hurricanes were not willing to retain any percentage of his salary without getting a suitable return. Now, a suitable return to you and me could be completely different from what it is to Don Riddell. 100% understand that. And overall, this trade is fine. This trade didn't cost us anything. We let Ethan Bear play, which I think is a large part of why the deal finally got done, is because Ethan Bear is getting paid $2.2 million a year to sit in a press box. And while, yeah, that must suck for Tom Dundon to have to write that check, it sucks for the player, in this case Ethan Bear, even more. He just wants to play the game. So in my head, and of course this is all speculation, is that Don Riddell finally pulled the trigger, retaining 18% of the contract, and giving Ethan Bear a shot at playing in an NHL lineup. This is absolutely no disparagement meant towards Ethan Bear. He was just outplayed. He did not earn a roster spot, which is fine. And why not give him an opportunity to play for another club? And that actually kind of works the same way for Lane Peterson. 
Uh, for Peterson, this will be his fourth team in two years. He was traded over the offseason with Brent Burns to Carolina. From San Jose, obviously. And then the year prior from that, he was traded to San Jose from the Coyotes. So, eh. He obviously didn't get to play any NHL games for the Carolina Hurricanes, but he did play NHL games for both the Coyotes and the Sharks. And if I had to guess, he'll probably get a shot in Vancouver, which means both of these players, both Pedersen and Bear, are both going to get a shot in Vancouver that they would not have had in Carolina. I only have one tiny little gripe with this, is I actually disagree a little bit with Don Waddell and not weaponizing our cap space. I realize that we don't have pretty much any cap space, but when it came to Ethan Bear, we did. We're training an asset who already fit under the cap. So I And I try to tweet about this on Twitter, and I'll touch on that later, but why not use that leverage to get a higher draft pick. So right now it's a fifth round pick. Why not try to get into the third round or the second round? And you can do that quite easily. I mean, Vancouver at this point has won one game. They are the laughing stock of the league at the moment. And it's because they've given up multi-goal leads and, you know, have just kind of been an embarrassment for their fan base. But that puts pressure on their general manager. Hey, this deal needs to be done. Ethan Bear might not work in Carolina, but he is still a decent offensive defenseman in this league. Something that the Vancouver Canucks need. So I would have preferred that we maybe retain a little bit more and try to get a higher value on the draft pick. But ultimately, I also understand that it's all just darts to throw at the board. So I'll give Don with all that. And then I'm going to wrap up this little news segment with... God, I don't like Twitter, but not for the reason you don't like Twitter. I mean, yes, it's toxic, and fans overreact and whatnot. However, my problem is that I just... It's so hard to articulate a thought in their character limits. And no one will ever read your thread. I'm well aware that no one will ever read your thread. So I I tweeted out something that was to the effect of, you know, this is fine at all. I would have rather they try to get a higher draft pick. And I'm getting eaten alive! Because, oh my god, it's a struggling NHL defenseman and an AHL, or what are you expecting, Connor McDavid? Of course not. I'm not insane. I was expecting for them to leverage their cap space more. God! And, you know, Twitter will never accept your explanation afterwards, so it just is what it is. But none of this being the point, let's get into the game. Forgive me if I'm not super excited to talk about the Hurricanes' 6-2 loss inside PNC Arena to the New York Islanders. And it's it's funny, because the game started out predictably for the Carolina Hurricanes. Our first period, not amazing. After 20 minutes, we're down 1-0. But we've been here. That's, it's, that's already happened three times this year. Literally, almost half the games we had played... No, actually, exactly half the games we had played up until this point, we had come from behind to win. Normally, what we do is we come back in the second period, we score a couple goals, we take the lead, and then we just play good hockey for the final 40 minutes. It's not always the best hockey for 40 minutes, but it's to standard. It's to our game. And ultimately, we did do that, actually. We came out in the second period. I thought we had a much better second period, and we'll get into it, than we did first period. But our third period, 
<laughs> we we did not do that. In fact, to me, it almost seemed like the Islanders beat us at our own game. They beat us at our own game. All they did was forecheck and create turnovers. And they successfully beat us. In fact, the only time we had sustained momentum through 60 minutes of hockey was on a three, I'm sorry, on a five on three, which is really a five on two and a half because one of the Islanders players didn't have a stick. And don't get me wrong, we hit a post, you know, things looked good, but we kept passing to each other's skates. I'm sorry, they kept passing to each other's skates, which you can't, you know, when it hits you in the skates, you don't have control of the puck, so you can't sit up and take a shot. There was no chances for one-timers. You can't even really, like, shoot at the net and see what happens because you don't have any good control. I'm a big preacher of wait and see. You know, this is we're early in the season. We're not even 10% through the season, seven games in. I don't want to overreact. That The worst thing you can do in this moment is overreact. But... I find it so hard after this game not to be a little upset because we could have and should have won this game. And I, I get you could say that about everything, but out of the other two losses we have on the year or like, you know, one goal grinded out games, this is we didn't play well. The Carolina Hurricanes as an organization didn't play well. Sebastian Ajo didn't play great. I don't think Andre had a very good game. Martin Natchez created his own goal, which was cool. I'm not going to lie on that one. Brett Burns gets his first as a Hurricane, and I'll let you guys hear that later. But we didn't play well overall. We just came back from a long road trip. I'll give you that. And it was a stupid long road trip. I mean, it was 16 days, 5 games. There was absolutely no reason we should have been gone for that long, but we were. So you can put a little bit of that into this loss. but. Not all of it. Some of this has to do with poor play in this game. There was defensive breakdowns, passes that couldn't connect. It's not that we were terrible, but there were, you know, were definitely times where if we had put more pressure on the Islanders, they don't get that shot on goal. If we put more pressure on the Islanders, maybe we get a turnover. And it, it just seemed like we were unable to do that. And it also goes to the players who haven't started their season yet. I'm not going to name them. If you pay attention to the stat sheet, you'll know who it is. And the lineup has changed because of it. Honestly, I think I've gotten ahead of myself here. So the Hurricanes play a poor first period. They go into intermission down 1-0. Importantly here, a one nothing game is very Carolina Hurricanes. That is almost our M.O. So I'm not worried at all being down 1-0 after 20 minutes. And you know who isn't either? Martin Natchez, who creates a beautiful play after Svechnikov recovers a puck off of a rebound from Anderson and gets knocked to the ice. Natchez recovers the puck from the now on the ice Svechnikov and starts carrying it up the ice. Just about at the blue line, he passes it ahead to Brady Shea. They both enter the zone, and then Martin Natchez is stupid fast. I don't know if you know this, but Martin Natchez is stupid fast. So he passes it to Brady Shea and just turns on his wheels and skates straight to the net. Brady Shea hits him on the tape. Natchez just dips it in for a goal. Now Natchez weaves his way. He sends it across for Shea. Shea heads up for Natchez. They score! 
a beauty it was. Like, I 100% think this was a great goal by Martin Natchez. He set up the pass to himself to be able to tap it in. Great job. Not many players in the league can do what he did simply from a speed standpoint. And a tied 1-1 game with, I don't know, at this point it was 11 minutes remaining in the game. And this, again, is Kane's hockey. Okay, we had a bad force period, but it's all okay because we're going to recover in the second and then stay strong through the third and we'll pick up our two points in the Metro, move on with our lives. Everything's going to be fine. Except, spoiler alert, everything was not going to be fine. Uh, it's about five minutes later in the game. The Hurricanes uh, lose track of a puck in the Islander zone, and it gets sent back up ice towards the Carolina zone. Everything's fine. Chatfield bats it out of the air with his glove, puts it on his tape, and is trying to gain control of it. And this is where I start to kind of lose my mind. So Casey Sezikis of the Islanders uh, gets in front of Chatfield and kind of gets the puck out from in front of him. Like, literally, they were so close that, they're, I mean, they're practically touching. And that's how he gains control of the puck. That's a good hockey play. I have nothing against it. But Chatfield, in an effort not to trip him, pulls his, tries to pull his stick from around him and falls to the ice. And then Chatfield's going to get called for a penalty for slashing. Which makes no sense to me. Because Shazikis put himself in that position. And it's not... If he got called for a trip, you know, a trip's a trip. That is what is what it is. But the idea that Shazikis put himself in a position where he put himself in between the player and his stick, and then it's slashing? Ultimately, they none of that would matter because uh, Matt Martin would score on Freddie Anderson, who couldn't get in position because Chatfield was in the blue paint on the ice. Islanders were up 2-0, and I'm I'm not a happy camper because that's a stupid goal, it's a greasy goal, but it's not a greasy goal towards us, so it shouldn't count, and hockey is stupid. I swear, if the Hurricanes don't score within the next minute of game clock, I'm done here. I will never watch this sport again. Everything is terrible. Burns his shot. He's deflected into the corner. And we picked up and sent right back for Burns. He doesn't hit it. They score! Oh, thank God. What was I going to watch? Golf? Who watches golf anymore? What is it, 1982? One of these days, that's going to bite me. And the hockey gods are going to try to punish me for this. But for now, we're all good. Because Brett Bourne scores a goal that, honestly, has no business scoring. Uh... That goal is stopped 99 out of 100 times, but this time it isn't. And that's great. Brett Burns gets his first goal as a hurricane. Everyone can go home happy. It's a tied game again. And we'll see what we do from here. We've already made our early mistakes. So again, hurricanes come back in the second. And then we dominate the third. And we go home with our two points. Well, that's all to be seen. At this point, I'm going to point out Jordan Marnuk. Because without Marnuk, this goal doesn't happen. So leading up to this... I mean, the puck's in the zone, and Jesper Foss gets taken down to the ice. And he, he's doing his best to try to keep the puck with him until someone can recover. And someone does recover. It's Jordan Marnuk, who passes it to Brett Burns, takes the initial... Brett Burns takes his initial shot, which does not go in, obviously. But then, the miraculous part here is that Marnuk then gathers his the rebound, skates all the way around behind the net, and then passes it back to Burns, who, again, in the words of Mike Maniscalco, does not hesitate and scores a goal. 
That goal happened because Jordan Marnock put in the work to give Brett Burns the opportunity to put a shot on net. And then this is where the wheels come off. And part of me, I was debating if I wanted to break down the rest of the game. You know, there's another four goals against that I could talk about. And I, I just don't want to. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm just like you guys. I'm not a member of the media. I'm not Elliot Friedman. I don't care if it was a good goal. I don't care if it's a goal. And that's exciting because all goals are good. No, screw that. If it's a goal against the Hurricanes, I don't want to watch it. Ever. Never, ever, 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 ever. So I'm not going to break it down. But I do want to talk about a couple main items that happened through the rest of the game. One is Freddie Anderson did not play his best game ever. He he did fine. Don't get me wrong. He made some big saves. But he did not play his best game ever. Sebastian Ajo, scoreless. Seth Jarvis, scoreless. Tara Vinen gets dropped down to the third line with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Faust. Jordan Marnuk gets brought up to the first line with Seth Jarvis and Sebastian Ajo in the third period. And I'm going to touch on this more later, but I 100% understand why Rod made this decision. Tara Vinen has not come to life yet. He is not playing midseason hockey. He is playing preseason hockey, which would have been fine seven games ago. But now as we move into November, it's not so great, and Rod is trying to find a way to jumpstart him. And hey, maybe going against bottom six pairing, uh, bottom six groups instead of a top six group is going to be helpful to that. But also, I just described a goal to you that only happened because Jordan Marnuk put in the effort to get Brett Burns the opportunity to take two shots on net in a row, from his office. So it was deserved on Jordan Marnuk's part, but we'll even get to that later. Sticking with Marnuk, Marnuk also had the only penalty against Carolina all game. He was called for tripping five minutes into the first period on uh, Andrews Lee, and, eh, I mean, yeah, it's technically tripping. Like, to the letter of the law, I get it. But at the same point, eh, he was just, you know, getting his stick where it needed to be. So, I'm not mad at it. Like, I, I'm, that's an acceptable penalty in my mind. Overall, in a game where you need to find a silver lining as a Hurricanes fan, there is a big silver lining in that we didn't take stupid penalties. That is normally part of our MO. And I guess since we didn't stick to our MO tonight and lost 6-2, we also didn't take any stupid penalties. So, that's something you can keep with you. From here, we'll go into the locker room and hear from Rod Brendamore and Captain Jordan Stahl. And if you didn't expect to hear from Jonas Stahl after this game, you just don't know hockey. Because after an embarrassing loss, the main job of a captain is, hey, we need you to go into the media room and be asked the stupid questions about why you were just dominated at home. But without further ado, let's hear from Rod. You know, it's tough, a couple of tough bounces, but I mean, they capitalized and they had a good, they played well. I'm going to give a lot of credit to the other team as they stuck to their game plan and you know, put a little, you know, pucks on us, and we coughed it up, and then it, boom, it's in your net. And, um, you know, we, they just, we just couldn't, once we got behind, it just felt like it was, we tried almost too hard, trying to make plays that weren't there, and that fed right into what they wanted to do. You know, I thought we fought back. When that, the crushing ones, you, you, you can't just give up a goal right after we finally get it back and, you know, tie it up, and we had... Really, was, I think two or three turnovers right in the neutral zone for no reason. Trying to make something happen, and you just 
you don't really need to. There's nothing there. And, uh, you know, like I said, they, they made you pay for it. Jordan Stahl's audio quality was terrible. They were in the locker room. Um, so just really bad. And I, I don't want to make you guys suffer through that. So he was asked about, well, a couple of things. One was, you know, the tough loss. But the second part was, there's only been one line that's been really producing. The confidence line. And, you know, what needs to be done to get all four going. And this was his response. All four lines have to get going. We can't have any passengers. My line obviously has to find ways to create more. We've been getting better, but there's still more out there. For sure, for myself, you can't have any passengers if you want to win in this league. And I thought tonight, there was a few too many. Going from there, that will end post-game coverage for the Islanders. So if that's all you're here for, you still have to listen. Sucks to suck. I want to introduce really quickly before we head out a new segment. And as I do this, I realize the hypocrisy that lives in what I'm about to say. But I cannot stand on Twitter when people say the most outlandish things. And no one ever says anything about it. You know, they're in their own echo chamber. They get their 5, 15, 20 likes, whatever it is. And they get delivered the fact that they think what they just said was a good take. And what I'm about to go over, I 100% disagree with that. So I'm going to explain why it's not a good take. And the new segment that I will be calling, What Did He Just Say? Or, What Did He Say? For those of you young enough to actually get that reference. So the way this is going to work is simple. I'm going to read a tweet and then tell you why I think it's wrong. Uh, Yeah, we'll see how this goes. I legitimately might never do this again, but also I might do it a lot more. We'll find out. You never know. So this tweet comes from at Future Canes on Twitter. Uh, again, at Future Canes on Twitter. Okay, yes. Terravine is struggling right now, but Marnuk adds absolutely nothing to the top six. Zero. Just roll with your skill, guys, and let them walk through it. No, on so many different levels. The first one being... Marnuk adds nothing to the top six. Zero. Okay, well, I mean, long-term, yes. I don't want Jordan Marnuk going up against Connor McDavid. Of course not. But in a game, in a third period of a game that you are already losing, and at this point, I'm sure Rod never gives up, but at this point, when Torbo and Marnuk swap places, we are pretty good well into the third period. Why not give Marnuk the reward of him playing well, and he did play well. I don't know if you heard that he literally created the scoring opportunity for Brett Burns, but he did that. Why not reward him with time on the top line and give Teruvainen an opportunity to play against third line guys and create some confidence? I would also add that Marnuk is good on the stall fast line. That's why I wanted him from the beginning of the year, long-time listeners would know. I wanted it to be Marnuk, Stahl, and Faust because I think that Marnuk can play that tougher, shutdown line type of game. And I think Stahl's line has looked a lot better since Marnuk and Stastny switched places. But the idea here that he brings nothing to this line in a game that you were already losing, where you would like someone to be able to board battle... And obviously, Teravainen has not been doing that. And create a couple opportunities is lunacy. And the way I know it's lunacy, the way I know this take is just bad, is because his second shift on the line, 
he creates a scoring opportunity. Does it convert? No, but that's the story of the night. You can't blame Marnuk for that. He did what he was put on that line to do by Rod Brendamore. And this is this actually has nothing to do with future canes, but something that irritates me to all ends is the people who put in Rod we trust in their Twitter bio are the same people that question him on every little thing he does. It's absurd. Either trust the man to coach your team or don't, but you can't have both. I would respect you so much more if you're like, yeah, Rod Brindamore is just a terrible coach. I would think you're wrong, and I would say it to your face. I might even create a segment about it on my podcast. But overall, that's your opinion. You can have it. It's whatever. But the just insane part of your brain that worships this man, then you're going to turn around because he decides to swap up his lines at the end of a losing game? Like, shut up. But... From there, we will end this show. If you liked this segment, go ahead and send me crazy Canes tweets when you send them at Colin Homice on Twitter. Go ahead and follow the account too while you're at it. Anyways, and then, you know, if I get enough of these, I'll make it a weekly thing. As always, thank you for listening to the show. If you've made it this far, you might as well subscribe. Maybe share it with a friend. All would be appreciated. Follow me on Twitter at Colin Home Ice. We have a Facebook, Instagram, even a Facebook page if you're still a fan of that website. Thank you so much for listening. I am also a member of the Canes Cast Conference Fantasy Hockey League. I don't know. If you guys want to hear any stories about that, let me know. I don't know. Thank you for listening. This has gone on way too long. Enjoy your week. I'll see you on Wednesday.